I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 12. And we are going to uh, kind of finish up our talk, our conversation that we've had over the last couple of weeks of how to go from surviving to thriving. We started it on the Sunday after Easter of getting ourselves to the place where we recognize and understand what it means to truly experience life over the top. We started in John chapter 10. And you know that in John chapter 10, it tells us in verse 10 that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That Satan's job, his plan, his, his goal in life is to trip you up and to stop you dead in your tracks. That is his plan. That's what he wants to accomplish. And so we talked about that passage. We talked about that verse, that the rest of that verse says, Jesus speaking, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In other words, God wants more for all of us. God wants us to experience that life that goes beyond anything that we could ever possibly imagine. And so we've been talking about how do we get there? How do we accomplish that? How do we get to the place where we are living that kind of life? And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how to go from surviving to thriving. And today, I kind of want to put like a a bow on this. I want to kind of put a a final statement on this. And I think there's no passage in Scripture that does a better job, I believe, of doing that in Hebrews chapter 12. So we're going to read here today from Hebrews chapter 12, just a a few verses uh, in this passage, three verses really, that gives us a picture of what this looks like, okay? So Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The New King James translation says it, the author and the finisher of our faith. It goes on to say, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and listen to these words, then you won't become weary and give up. Now, these three verses point to and talk about a a passage that we read. We're not going to spend the time reading it today, but I encourage you maybe today or someday this week, go back a chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 and read that passage. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, what you see is a story of a lot of people, a lot of names you'll recognize, going all the way back in the Old Testament to the beginning, telling the story of people who stood in faith, people who recognized what it means to truly believe in something that you could not see, something that you just knew because of the power of God had been revealed to you. And so we read in Hebrews chapter 11, story after story of all of these great people of faith who who had, had overcome, had come through suffering, come through persecution, come through great trials and tribulation. And yet in all of it, because of the faith that they had in God, God brought them through. And it actually gives us a very clear picture of what it means to live in faith. And so here in Hebrews chapter 12, it goes right on into verse 1, 2, and 3 that we just read that talks about that, that, that idea that the examples that we've had in the past, the cloud of witnesses, the people who have watched, the people who've been a part of this journey that we can learn from to help us to make sure that we are living the life that God intended for us to live. So let's just take a few minutes here today. Let's kind of walk through 
the ideas that we can pull out, take away from this passage on how we can go from surviving, which we don't want to do, to, well, we want to survive. Let me make sure that, yes, we want to survive, but we don't want to just survive. We want to survive, but we want to thrive in life. And so the first thing we get from this passage is this, is that we have an example to follow. Like, we're not in this all by ourselves. And man, that's, that's encouraging. That's good news. You think back in the earliest of days, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve and, then, and the journey that came right on through. You know, they were, they were trying to figure out this thing of faith like all on their own, right? They were trying to figure out how it is that they're to walk with God and trust God when the world was, was quickly moving away from God. I mean, you think about in the passage of Scripture, you go back into the book of Genesis, right? So, so God created all that there is, right? I mean, we know that story. We know the, the creation account of Genesis. We know that, you know, God said, let there be light. All of a sudden, there was light. God spoke the, the, the sun, moon, and stars into existence. He, he spoke the waters, the mountains, the, the animals. He created all the animals and all the, the, the you know, the creepy crawly things. That, which, why? I mean, like, like why? Have you ever wondered, like, why ticks? I mean, when we get to heaven, like, God, seriously, like, you're awesome and all, and, and you're obviously smarter than we are, but, but really? Ticks? I mean, you know, come on. Snakes? What in the world? I mean, that's, I'm getting off on a tangent. We'll, we'll move on. There are some questions I have for God when we get to heaven, right? Everybody's got their list. My list includes snakes and ticks and spiders and vegetables. That's it. That's, that's all I want to ask. That's what I'm doing, and so that's, that's my story. You can have your own, okay? So God created everything, and you remember what God said after he created all that there was. Here's what he said, and it is very good, right? You remember that? But yet you just fast forward just a few chapters after that, and guess what happened? When God had created everything that was very good, all of a sudden what was very good had become very evil in a very short amount of time. Very quickly, what God had created, which was perfect, all of a sudden had been messed up. And you know why it had been messed up, right? You and me. Now, we weren't there, but mankind. The Bible says that through one man, sin entered into the world, right? And because that one sin, because of that one man, then death entered into the world. So, so what God had created, which was perfection, pretty quickly, it was completely messed up. And evil had entered in. And so you think about that journey, you think about this idea that, that, that so quickly everything had gotten off track, everything was headed in the wrong direction. So you think about those, those men of faith that we read about, those women of faith that we read about in the Old Testament, like, like how in the world did they know how to continue to trust God in all of that? Now here we are, thousands of years later, and you know what we have? We have a great history, a great record of men and women who trusted God, who walked with God, who had faith in God, who overcame insurmountable experiences throughout their journey, and they stayed faithful to God. So here's what it says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. In other words, just take a minute to look back. This past week, on May the 15th, was the 12th anniversary of my dad's death. And I took some time, actually, on that day to, to look back. And in my own experience, it wasn't a public thing. I didn't 
talk about it or write about it or, or anything like that, but just, just simply just kind of looking back to the things that, that I had the opportunity of learning from a great man of faith. Because my dad was a great man of faith. When he planted this church, he knew that God wanted to do something miraculous in this town. And he planted this church, this small little church with 35 people in this small little city in the middle of Virginia. And he just knew God was going to do something big. He had faith that God would do it. Right outside of these doors, if you walk out into, that, uh, into the lobby there, and right across from those doors, there's a fake door. Not long ago, I saw somebody actually try to push that door open. It doesn't open. But there's a fake door that's on the side of that wall. And it's there for one reason. It's there to, to tell us about the story of faith that when my dad planted this church, that he made the decision to knock on 100 doors a day, six days a week, to simply let people know that he was praying for them and that if they ever needed pastoral help or ministry, that he was there and he would let them know where they could find him. And that's how this church got started. A guy who took six days a week, knocked on 100 doors a day in this community because he simply had the faith that God was going to do something big. This past week, I kind of looked back and kind of thought about some of those things that I learned from my dad. Some of those great stories, some of those great moments, just of, of things that you learn from, from people of great faith, people you can learn that, that, that sticks with you for the rest of your life. Even things that are maybe not significant, really, but things that you learn, things that you hear. In fact, the other day, uh, my wife and I, we were, we were actually at, at uh, my, my parents' house, my, my, my parents' uh, place that they had for many, many years. And, and so we were getting ready to leave, and there was a light switch in the kitchen. And it was one of those dimmer light switches that when you push it on, you can dim the lights or you can, you know, turn, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So like the old dial thing there. And so there was a dimmer switch there and it was in the kitchen. And whenever we would turn the light on in the kitchen, that, uh, that, that little light switch, that little panel and that little knob that was there, it would always get really, really hot. And it scared my mom. She knew that it was going to start a fire one day and burn the house down. And so she never wanted to turn the lights on in the kitchen, ever. She, she would not turn the light. If we turned the lights on in the kitchen, she would turn it back off. And it was the funniest thing because just two days ago, we were walking through the kitchen and Sherry had the light on in the kitchen in my parents' old house. She had the light on in the kitchen and I walked by and I smacked it off really fast. Because I remembered, it just kind of laughed. I laughed at myself because I remembered how every time that we would turn that light switch on, my mom would go over and turn it off because she was afraid it was going to burn the house down. And so things that we just kind of pick up, things that we kind of walk through. Now that has absolute, number one, not significant. Number two, not even close to being true. The house is like 45 years old. It has not burned down yet. But here's the thing we've got to recognize. There are great things that we can learn from the people who've come before us to help us do this thing called life better. And that's what this passage is talking about. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and of course the greatest example that we have to follow is Christ himself. The picture that we're given in God's word of how we're to live, what we're to do, how we're to walk. And so just recognize when you're sometimes, which by the way, I think all of us get to this place at some point in life, 
Sometimes when you're sitting there and you're going through a difficult situation, a trial, a, a moment in your journey where you're wondering, like, like what I'm going to do, and, and I don't know how to get out of this, and I don't know how to navigate this, this situation that I'm finding myself in. Listen, recognize this. God has given us a great record in his word, but also great people around us that we can learn that we can stand in faith no matter what. We've got a great example to follow and recognize that real fellowship with God cannot exist without faith. So thriving in life requires a strong faith. So we see that we've got a great example to follow, but why do we follow it? Well, here's the second point that we learn from this passage. In order to live in holiness, God expects us, if we're going to thrive in life, to seek to do better, to be better, to be more like Him. That's God's plan, in order to live in holiness. Look what it says in the second part of verse 1. Let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Now, you know this passage, and oftentimes you read this passage, and it talks about how we kind of get away from the things that are kind of slowing us down, the things that are kind of, you know, tripping us up, that sin that so easily besets us, whatever that might be in our own journey, and in our own lives. But there's two different ideas here. One, the second part of the verse, clearly talks about sin. It talks about that sin that so easily trips us up. The first part says, let us strip away every weight. Now, this passage, if you go back and look in the original Greek, it's the picture of, and it's actually used in athletic terms, the the idea of even a runner who would run and to try to win a, a foot race. And back in those days, obviously, you know, it was a different thing than they have now. They didn't have all the Nike and the Under Armour and all the different technology of the different types of things to wear. In fact, back in those days, in order to make sure that there was nothing that would encumber their run, many times foot races were run by individuals, runners, who had no clothes on at all. And they would run that because they didn't want to do anything that would slow them down or that would mess them up. And so here's the idea that this passage is telling about us. It's not just simply talking about sin, which, yes, is important, but it's saying also make sure you put aside, put away the things that might not be wrong, that might not be sin, but that will keep you from accomplishing all that God wants you to accomplish. Now, let me give you an example of that. Matthew Bird, where are you? Come up here real quick. He had the unfortunate uh, opportunity of talking to me this morning as he walked in. So your name was on my mind, so you get to be our, our illustration for the morning, right? Okay. So Matthew, how old are you, buddy? 16. 16 years old. Got all A's. Just found that out. Very cool. That's awesome, which means you're nowhere near like your dad, right? That, that, that's awesome. Got all A's. So here, I want to show you. Do me a favor, okay? 16 years old, right? Pretty good health? Yes, right? I mean, you was playing sports? What sports? Football. Football and track. Track. Oh, this is perfect. Because here's what I'm going to do. So we're talking about, you heard what I just talked about, like the runners back in those days. Like how they would run, right? And what they would do to make sure that nothing slowed them up, right? Now, I'm not going to make you do what I talked about a minute ago. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. So this stage, by the way, from, from that wall to that wall is 160 feet. It's a really big stage. So here's what I want you to do in front of thousands of people and millions more by television. Here's what I want you to do. Go over there and see that flag over there? I want you to start at that flag, and I want you to go to that flag, and I want you to run the entire length of this stage. Will you do that for me real quick? All right, Matthew. Let's, let's give Matthew a hand. Here we go. All right, Matthew, we'll all count down. Three, two, one, then you go. Okay, ready? Ready? All right, three, two, one, go. 
Yeah, yeah, look at there. Yeah. All right. Oh, that was fantastic. That was great. You're sitting there saying, now why did I do this? Let me see what you got here, buddy. Mentos. Who's got a bottle of Coke? Anybody? No, no, we'll do that. Okay. So here, I'm going to hold on to these. Okay. Now we're going to do it a different way now. We're going to do it a different way here. Because we're talking about like laying aside everything that trips us up, right? That slows us down. Right? Right? You heard me, right? Okay. You're paying attention. Okay. Cool. All right. So come on back with me again. I'm not going to go all the way over there. We're going to start right here. All right. So here we're going to do. Turn around. All right, cool. Lift your arms up. Awesome. This is great. This is something that I've done before in the gym where the trainer has done this to me, and I've hated him thoroughly for it, and now I get to do it to you. Okay, so lift these up right on your waist. There we go. Now, we're going to do the exact same thing that we did a minute ago. We're going to run across the stage as fast as you possibly can. Deal? All right, ready? Here we go. Get, get ready. Get set. When you had that whole stance going, the track thing. Get it ready. Oh, there we go. Okay. Three, two, people, three, two, one, go. Run, dude, come on, run. Seriously, dude, you're 16, I'm 52. Come on, are you kidding me? This is embarrassing, hold it, I'm gonna have a Mento. Seriously, come on. All right, there we go, let's give Matthew a big hand. That was awesome. Here we go. There's your Mentos. Right along here is your bruises. You'll have those later today. Thank you, Matthew, for being our illustration this morning. That will be the light. Yep, absolutely. Give him a hand. That'll be the last time Matthew stops to say hi to his pastor when he walks into church on a Sunday morning, I can guarantee. But did you see the picture? By the way, this is Steve Brooks. Are you in the room? Steve Brooks, where are you? Right back here. This is yours. I borrowed this from you a year ago and never told you. But I'm taking care of it, and I'll get it back to you at some point. So, so here's the deal. You saw the illustration, right? When Matthew ran on his own, right, we counted, man, he took off from one side, ran all the way over, and did it really quickly. Except for losing his Mentos, it was awesome. But yet, when we actually did it the second time, and I was hanging on to him. You saw, man, it was a struggle, right? It was difficult for him to get across. We mocked him. I loved mocking him because I'm 52 and he's 16. It was a lot of fun. But let me ask you a question, Matthew, and just one more question if I could. You don't need to come back up here, but am I a bad guy? I am a bad guy? No. I don't think you heard me. Let me ask that question again. Okay. Am I a bad guy? No, there we go. That's, that's the right answer. Well done. So I'm a pretty decent guy, right? A good guy, right? Okay, yeah, 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 okay. So here's the deal. In life, oftentimes, here's what happens. We in our journey, in our walk with God, when our, you know, in our situations that God has for us, the plan that God has for us in life, there are many times that we allow ourselves to be encumbered by things that are not necessarily bad, but yet will keep us from living the life that God intended for us to live. Let me give you just some examples. Social media. Gossip. That's bad. Other situations, I was talking to a, a young lady last night, 
who uh, was upset. Her day was ruined yesterday, and here's why. She was upset because her internet was out and she couldn't watch the Netflix that she wanted to watch all day long. And she was like wanting to binge on a show and watch it all day, but then the internet was out, and so therefore, like her whole day was messed up, right? So there are things that are not necessarily bad, but things that we allow to encumber us so that we cannot run the race that God has for us. So recognize this. God has a plan for us. In this passage in the second part of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, man, let go of all the things that are slowing you down. Get rid of the things that are holding you back, that are keeping you from running the race that God has in store for you. Yes, get rid of that sin. And so this passage, oftentimes we kind of package it all together. And it says, you know, lay, lay aside every weight and that sin that so easily besets us. We have the picture, the idea that that's all talking about sin. It's not. It's two different ideas, two different thoughts. Get past the things that will keep you from accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish. Get rid of the sin that is messing you up, that is keeping you from accomplishing all that God wants to accomplish. And here's what will happen. You'll begin to thrive in life. The pursuit of holiness is God's plan for every single one of us, for all of us in this journey, all the situations that we're walking through. God has a plan, and it requires us to pursue holiness. Holiness is only possible through connecting to God's Word. The only way that's possible is to truly know what holiness looks like. Because i got to be honest with you, if you're sitting here trying to figure out how to thrive in life and how to, to lay aside every weight that slows us down and to get rid of that sin that so easily trips us up, and we're looking to the world to instruct us on what that looks like, i got to be honest with you, you're going to mess up. You're not going to have the right picture. You're, you're going to blow it. You're not going to know exactly what that means. You have to go to God's Word to find out what is it that I need to lay aside? What is it that is slowing me down. We have an example to follow in order to live in holiness. Here's the next thing. So we will not quit. That's another thing that I learned from my dad. Never, never quit. Don't quit. If you've been in this church for more than 12 years, if you've been here for 12 years and two weeks, I promise you, you've heard sometime in your life, you've heard my dad say, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You keep moving. Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Don't quit. He used to quote Winston Churchill all the time, talking about one of the greatest quotes, the greatest uh, commencement speeches that it was ever given. Never, 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 never quit that Winston Churchill gave. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You heard my dad say, that's one thing that I learned. Don't quit. Well, God also tells us, don't quit. Look what it says in verse 2, or the second, the last part of verse 1. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Run with endurance. In other words, it's not short bursts. It's not quick little movements. It's not like getting from here to there and then take it easy the rest of the way. It's run the long race, the endurance race that God has set before us. You cannot thrive in life with partial commitment. Being partially committed to Christ is really no commitment at all. Being committed, partially committed to God's will for your life is not committed to God's will at all in your life. So man, don't quit. Keep running. We have an example to follow so we can pursue holiness, so we will not quit, which the fourth thing we see from this passage, which is only possible by fixing our eyes on Him. 
Look what it says in this passage in verse 2. It says, as we do this, so we do what? Well, we do this, we do get rid of the things in our life that slow us down. We actually will continue to be able to move forward and run this race with endurance, the long run, the long journey. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Listen to what he said. We talked about this last week. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you won't give up. So how do we do this? How do we actually accomplish this thing called thriving? How do we accomplish running this endurance race that God has set before us? How do we get rid of those things that slow us down? How do we get rid of that sin that trips us up? Here's what you do. You look to Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. And I cannot tell you how tragic a story it is. And I've got to be honest with you, I hear it all the time. Of Christ followers who've gotten their eyes off of Christ. And they've gotten their eyes onto the world. And they're wondering why their lives are in shambles. They're wondering why everything has fallen apart. They're wondering why they can't find joy, why they can't find peace, why they can't find comfort and contentment and encouragement in this thing called life. And here's why. Because they have lost sight of the one who is the author, the, perf- the initiator, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. The one who will take us from point A to point Z in victory. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. The, new, uh, the Holman New Testament commentary says this, As the author of our faith, Jesus inspires action in believers of all ages. As the perfecter of our faith, Jesus takes harassed believers, develops our faith, and listen to this, and brings us to heaven's promised land. In other words, what's God's plan for us? Here's what God's plan is. God's plan is to give you a hope. God's plan is to take you through this incredibly difficult thing called life, which, let's be honest, this world is broken, and this life is full of pain. This world is full of sorrow. Everywhere you turn, there's tragedy tragedy upon tragedy. There are moments of heartbreak and heartache in every single one of our journeys. My dad used to say this, another thing that I learned from him. You either just came out of trouble you're getting ready to, uh, you're, you're right smack dab in the middle of trouble, or you're going to get the phone call tomorrow. My dad told me, you know, told me that millions of times through the years. In other words, life is full of problems and troubles. But listen to this. God's plan is to bring us through, to get us to the place where we can walk through. It says here, harassed believers to develop our faith, to strengthen us in July, June 30th, all the way through July 28th. We're going to be walking through the book of 1 Peter, talking about how we can walk through the trials of life in triumph. And so he brings us through. He develops our faith. And here's what he does. He promises us, because of what I have done, Jesus says, you will have eternity in heaven with me. John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. You want to know how to survive in life? To get to the place where you're thriving in life? Recognize this and believe this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke those words of you. And the words that he said is, listen, I'm going and I'm building a place for you. I'm going to build a place where you will spend eternity with me. 
And I'm doing that right now. This is what I'm about to do. This is where I'm going. Jesus has a plan. And so recognize, believe it with all your heart. Know that, man, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on him if we're going to experience all that God has for us in life, to thrive in life. So how do we go from surviving to thriving? Number one, man, recognize as we talked about four weeks ago, he is our good shepherd. He is the one who came to give us life over the top. Recognize that we need to do it by serving. In Matthew chapter 25, God has entrusted to each and every one of us something of value that God expects for us to use to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Recognize that he, Jesus, is our mediator. It said it here, we talked about it last week when we were in Hebrews chapter 10, that Jesus gives us the opportunity to boldly go to the throne of grace. That veil was ripped smack dab in two so we can run right into the place of God. And that he, today, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for us. And today, recognizing this, that he is the author, the finisher, the initiator, the perfecter. And you know what good news that means for you and me? It's this. When you think you can't figure out this thing called life, the good news is this. You don't have to. Because he wrote the story. He's writing the story. But he's already finished the story. And the finishing of this story is just simply this. Salvation that comes through Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the power that you give to us in your word. We thank you for the joy that you extend to us as a result of of your word, of the cross, of the empty tomb. Today, Lord, we've been talking about how to experience this life that you've talked about, this life that goes over the top more than we could ever imagine. God, I pray that today for each and every person gathered in this room, those watching, those listening today, God, give them the wisdom, the understanding, the ability to comprehend exactly what that means for them and that it is all about you. So God, I pray that you would turn our eyes towards you. Focus our hearts towards you. Keep us fixed on your plan, your will, your design and desire for our lives. And God, as a result of that, I pray that you would give us everything that is needed. Lord, to not just simply get by, but to thrive. And God, right now, if there's somebody in this room or someone watching, listening today who who doesn't know you, when we talk about this idea of thriving because of Christ, that maybe they've never met you, that they can't say like many of us in this room can, that because of Christ we have hope, we have salvation because of the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now that you would help them to see their need for a Savior. Help them to recognize and know that because of our sin, we need someone to to redeem us, to, to, to... provide for us and that Jesus is the one who's done that. That Jesus came, that he died, and that he rose again three days later. Romans 10, 13, and anyone who calls on his name will be saved. God, I pray you'll do that right now. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. When we do, the altar's open. Our team is here. And if you're here today and you need to meet Christ, if you want to know more about what Jesus has done, I invite you to step out, to come down to this altar and to talk with our team members here to let them share with you what Jesus has done. If you want to come down and kneel here with a prayer request and leave it here. If you want to come and talk with one of our team members about a challenge, a situation you're going through. If you want to come for baptism or come to join our family here at Thomas Road, when we stand in a moment, you act, you respond, you move according to what God is telling you to move. Let's stand together. Let's sing.
right now. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield. Though trouble lingers still, whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did. 
calling on His name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.